Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Well, one more time, I want to welcome you to Milestone Church. I want to welcome those of you at our Hazlitt campus, our McKinney campus, those of you watching online, those of you here at our Keller campus, an additional seating, those of you maybe um, on vacation at a lake house, poolside, maybe those of you even watching later while you're working out, however you got here, thank you so much for watching. Would you join me in welcoming them? Thank you guys for being with us. But we're in one of those big moments in the history of our church family. We're so excited as we've come to another one of these steps. All of us at our different campuses are experiencing these steps differently. But whenever we come to a big moment like this in the history of our church family, it's easy to think, well, what's the big thing that's happening? Well, the big thing that's happening here at Keller is we're moving into expanded space and we're, we're, we're enlarging the worship center to make room for more people so that more people can come into a saving relationship with Jesus and discover who he created them to be, and that's always exciting. But every time we come to those big moments, in spite of how big it might be, God's always thinking about what he wants to do in you. He has something special for you. You think, me? Like, with all the stuff that's going on, does he see me? Yes. From the very beginning, this has been our story. Now, I didn't go back to the very, very beginning of Milestone. I remember when Milestone was planted. I lived in California. I was, my wife and I were friends with Pastor Jeff and Brandy. We felt like we were part of the team and we were praying for them and hearing the stories about meeting in the school and, and we had a relationship with some of the staff, but we didn't ever know that we'd be directly involved. And so a few years later, as God began to reposition us, and we went back to, all the way back to Willis Lane, where our auditorium held 300 people, and people were parking on the grass, and the same stories were happening. We need more space. We need more services so more people can experience the power of God. And I got to tell you, as somebody who's 50 years old and spent most of his life going to church, it would be easy to think what we're experiencing is normal. It's not normal. It's not I just, I gotta tell you to sit over there and be like, we're expanding and we're moving. People are adjusting and you come to the worship center and you're like, where's my seat? It's behind a black wall. I don't know what happened to it. They promised me that I would get a seat at some point. I came to come to church and they got me in a room watching a video. I didn't know this was church. That could be hard to navigate. But what makes it easier is when you see stories like Whitney And she says, my husband's life was changed, but I don't know what that means for me. But God, because he's so good and so loving, sees beyond this exciting thing that's happening in Cody. And he says to Whitney, I have something for you too. You see Chase, a high school student who comes, whose life gets changed. He's like, I gotta bring my mom. Mom comes to church, gives her life to Christ. Every time it happens, it's a miracle. And what an incredible, gracious, loving God who would allow you and me in some small way to be a part of what he's doing. And make no mistake, if you hear nothing else I say over these next few minutes, whether you're here at Keller or Hazlitt or McKinney, God has a part for you to play. He wants you to be involved in what he's doing. Make no mistake, with or without you, he's gonna move in the hearts of people, but it's so much better 
when you and I get to be included in what he's doing. So this is what we're doing. We're trying to make you informed. Last week, Pastor Luke did a great job of informing us. People matter to God. Why do we do this? Why do we go through all the trouble? Why do we juggle all the things that we have to juggle? Why do we give generously? Because people matter to God. And every person out there who gives their life to Christ, there's a celebration in heaven. You're like, well, why would you pick now to do it? Well, here's another thing we know. At all of our campuses, people from all over the country are moving to our area. And as a church family, we don't just say, well, that's a good thing because it helps our home values and it makes you know, traffic difficult, but at least we're living in a place where other people want to live. We don't just say that. We say, we have a stewardship. God's bringing people to our community who are far from him. And there's this amazing thing that happens when someone moves to a new place, there's a disruption to their lifestyle. So there might be only one window in their whole life where they go, okay, I'll try church. And we get one chance to do everything we can to be loving and to be warm and to use our gifts so that maybe, just maybe, their hearts would be open and they would meet this Jesus that we've met and everything would change. And we're seeing that happen at Keller. We're seeing it happen at Hazlitt, McKinney. It's happening online and every time it happens, it's a miracle. So we want you to know that it's happening because it's a big deal. But, but today I wanna move from just being informed to I want you to be involved. Now I know that can be a little scary. Like Jed, how, how am I supposed to be involved? I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do, and, and I don't know if you know this Jed, but my life's busy, I, I get it. Your life's busy, my life's busy, we're, we're all busy. There's so many people trying to get us involved in what they're doing, and let's be honest, there's so many ways to contact us. It's a little crazy, let's be honest. I mean, most of you have multiple email accounts, and I bet you have at least one that you give out when people ask, because I do. And every, I always get this alert from that account. You're over storage, you're over storage. You have 7,400 unread emails. I'm like, I'm never reading those emails. That's my dummy account, right? Like, some of you just hearing that number stresses you out. You ever seen somebody who has a phone and they got the little red number with the envelope and it's like 5952? And like the, those of you who are like, I like to clean it out, we salute you. It's never happening at 5900. When was the last time you checked your text thread? You got texts like three years old if you got an older phone. There's so many texts. There's, there's Slack, there's texts, there's D DMs. There's so many ways for people to get a hold of us. It's a little overwhelming. The other day we were in the car, we were coming home from dinner, and it was my 12-year-old son and my uncle and my mom's in the back seat, and um, I kept hearing this phone going, do -do 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 I was like, Luke, turn your notifications off. He's like, Dad, it's not me, it's Grammy. It's <laughs> like, wow, Mom. You're getting after it in those social spaces. She's like, I don't know how to turn the notifications off. <laughs> the ladies in my small group are getting after it. We, we all live with the sense of like stuff's happening all the time and so like, what do we have space for? What do we have time for? And if you're not careful, stuff just starts happening to you. So I, when I'm trying to figure out what I'm gonna be involved in, I'm a very intentional person. And so if I'm going somewhere, I keep focused. I am situationally aware. We were at the airport the other day, and I was with a group of people. Like, Pastor Jed, you walk really fast. I was like, I don't walk fast, I walk with a purpose. We're going somewhere. The airport is not the place to be like, what do they have over there? What's this? We're trying to get to the gate. You know how there's some people who get to the gate and they're like, let's just wait around and 
you know, let's wait till the 17th time they call our boarding code, not me, I'm up there in the front. My wife's like, you can't go, it's not your group. I was like, my group is this group. Because the faster I get on this plane, yeah, some of you are like, yeah, that's my man. We're in this together, right? We had this tight connection the other day, and I was trying to get the team going, and we may or may not have had to sprint, and one of them was like, Pastor Jed, can we leave so-and-so at security? I was like, the Lord's teaching him patience and understanding. It's a character-building moment. God's asking us to move forward. <laughs> and so he did. And then we got to the gate, and I was like, hey, well, here's how I'll serve our team member. I was like, listen, we got a whole group of people coming. And one of the team members goes, was that a lie? I was like, well, maybe it was an extension, but he got on the plane, and so the Lord used it. Here's the point. I know you're like me in some ways. You're like, where are we trying to go? You hate it when you're at the stoplight, and the person's on their phone scrolling, and then they realize later, oh, okay, it's time to go. And by the time they go, you get the yellow or maybe the red. And then you're left in that difficult character moment. What would Jesus do? <laughs> would he give him a little polite, doot, doot, hello. We'd appreciate it if you go. Or would he go, bah, move, move, move. We're trying to go, we got places to be. I think Jesus, maybe, he was intentional. He probably would have done that and asked for forgiveness later. <laughs> Not that Jesus needs forgiveness. But, but here's why I'm saying this, it's like, we all are trying to make sense of, I only have so much time. I've got all these things that I'm doing. I don't really know why I'm doing and how or when does the really significant, important things happen in life. If you've ever felt that way, you're not alone. I love what the Bible says. One of the wisest men who ever lived, Solomon, Proverbs 20, verse 5, says this. The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters. You and I have purpose there's significance in our lives. There's things that God created us to do, but those aren't easy to find, and it doesn't just fall out of the sky. They're deep waters. But look what, what Solomon says, one who has insight draws them out. The next few moments, whether we're here at Keller and watching an additional seating, or maybe at Hazlitt or McKinney, I wanna help us understand how do we draw out this purpose that God has for us, because I know we can do it. I know God has it for all of us, but I also know it's a really difficult thing. Like if you study, you know, the majority of us spend our time and our energy, a lot of it at least, in our workplace. And people are having a hard time in the workplace. People are frustrated, people are upset. COVID disrupted a lot of things in our workplace. We're trying to figure out how do we get back to normal if there ever was a normal? You know, I, I follow the research on this kind of stuff. About 88% of people are dissatisfied with their job. About 65% currently, right now, are looking for a different job. So if you're a manager or a director, or you're responsible if you have direct reports, I know many of you have many, many of those. Just be aware, right now, your team's looking for something else. Because when they come to work, they go, I don't know if this is the best expression of my gifts. I don't know if people recognize that. So we're all wrestling with the sense of, what do we do? How do we lead people? How do we help them navigate these challenges? And the Bible understands we feel this way. We all want our lives to have meaning and purpose. We wanna know why are we doing what we're doing? In my mind, maybe the greatest TED Talk of all time, a man named Simon Sinek asked that question. And his point was, you have to start with why. Why are we doing what we're doing? 62 million people on the TED site alone have watched that talk because it's something we all wrestle with. 
We wrestle with it throughout our lives, throughout our seasons, throughout our jobs and our roles and the different places we go. It's challenging for all of us, but I don't know if it's ever been more challenging because we're so aware of what everyone else is doing. We see our friend go, well, they started this business and I've always kind of been interested in that and -and so-and-so doing this and we never used to be so aware of all the opportunities. We didn't used to have things like Career Builder and LinkedIn where you're always constantly checking what everybody else is doing and what else could I be doing? And I think this is especially difficult for our young people. How many of you in the workplace work with a 22-year-old or a 24-year-old and they're gifted but they're like, I don't know if this is my dream job. And and they're 25 and you love their ambition, but they're like, I've paid my dues. And you're like, at 25, you've paid your dues. God bless your ministry. Anyways, (laughs) what they're wrestling with is this sense of, I've gotta do something important with my life. We have a group of about 100 high school students who are spending their summer serving and, and being interns and growing. And I was with them this last week talking about this very same subject. And I was asking, what do you want to do? What do you feel like God's called you to do? And some of them said, well, I want to be a, one of them said, I want to be a pilot. And another one said, I want to start my own business or I want to be a teacher. One of them said, I want to go into missions. Another one said, I want to be a neurosurgeon. I was like, you're powerful. That's awesome. And then I asked them, how many of you feel pressure for your future and what you're going to do with your life? Every single hand in the room went up. And I said, why do you think that is? And I think there's a lot of different reasons. And I think we're all wrestling with it. And I think well-intended parents and loved ones say things that we want to be true that aren't technically true. Things like, "If you, you could be whatever you want to be, which sounds so noble. It's just not true. We, we tell people things like at graduation commencement speeches, people like Steve Jobs will go, just do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. We're like, we well, appreciate that, Steve, but... That, that doesn't always work out. So what do you do if you're at a job that you don't love? This is personal to me, right? I was thinking about my son, my youngest son. When he was in school, they asked him, you know, what do you wanna be when you grow up? And he said, I wanna be Batman. Not like a doctor or a firefighter. He said, I wanna be Batman. I was like, son, that's awesome. I am so proud of you. You're gonna fight crime. You're gonna be a superhero. You're gonna be all those things. I was like, but wait a minute. You probably need a billion dollars and both your parents are dead. So that's not a great strategy for me personally. He's like, don't worry about it, Dad. I'll be Spider-Man. I was like, oh, cool, cool, Spider-Man's great too. Um, You just gotta get bit by a radioactive spider and your parents have to die. I don't really like either of those, son. Can we pick something else? Now he wants to be an NFL athlete, and so that, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Here's the point. You wanna encourage him, you wanna give him hope, but you also know, how's it all gonna work out? How's it gonna happen? You know, we, we try to do assessments. I love the assessments. We're all doing them. I, I love to, you know, the strength finders and the disc and the Myers-Briggs, and we do all those things because we want to figure out what are my gifts? How did God wire me? But, but even the assessments, they tell you who you are, but they don't make your current role fit exactly how God wired you. You're like, Jed, what does this have to do with moving into our new space? And what, what are you trying to say? Well, what if, what if I told you God has a purpose for your life? What if I told you he's given you unique gifts? In fact, a unique combination of gifts. The Strength Finders assessment says your gifts and your order is unique to one out of every 33 and a half million people. But what if those gifts were primarily designed not to just make you successful and powerful, but to serve others and that your greatest fulfillment would come that way? And what if you could start using those gifts today no matter where you got your paycheck? 
That's what I wanna talk to you about in our remaining minutes. Typically, I'll tell you to turn to a passage, but today, uh, I wanna give you a Bible pattern, a little different. I'm gonna show you a pattern of how work and fulfillment go through this concept of how our work is related to our fulfillment in scripture. And so I'm gonna just put it on the screen and talk you through it. If you go all the way back to the beginning, to Genesis, work is introduced. You may have never thought about this before. But work enters the world before sin enters the world. In Genesis 2, God says to Adam and Eve, come, I'll put you in this garden, and together we're gonna take care of it, we're gonna steward it, we're gonna take dominion over the earth, and we're gonna care for everything I've made, and it's beautiful, and we're gonna do it together, and you're gonna find joy and fulfillment, and all that was wonderful. You're like, Jed, is there gonna be work in heaven? If we trust that picture, then yes, there is. And it won't be frustrating, and it won't be challenging, and it'll be incredibly fulfilling, and it'll be an opportunity for us to grow closer to God. Then Genesis 3 happens, sin enters the world. And with sin, death, and with death, the curse, and one of the aspects of the curse would be, work would be brutal and difficult and exhausting and frustrating and would often lack fulfillment. Can anybody relate to that? So what do we do? The, the entire story of the Old Testament is this wrestling and this frustration and this groping to, to overcome death and sin and the curse, which brings us to the person of Jesus. Jesus shows us the goal of work. Near the end of his life, on the night he would be betrayed in the garden, he's praying. And as he's praying, one of his closest friends, John, is watching and listening. This was probably, if you know the story, this was one of those moments where John wasn't sleeping and he was listening to Jesus praying. And he overhears Jesus praying to the Father and Jesus says, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. What a beautiful picture of how Jesus lived his life as a model for you and I. You're like, how do I bring glory? Well, you can bring glory to God in whatever vocation you're at, as a teacher, as a stay-at-home mom, as a real estate agent, as a, as a banker, as an investor, as a pilot, whatever you are. If you do the work in a way that honors God, you give God glory in whatever vocation he's placed you in. The reason is because we've been created for work. One of my all-time favorite scriptures, Ephesians 2.10, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance. Do you know there's something that God made you? There's a challenge, there's an issue, there's a problem in the world that needed a solution. And so God made you and gave you gifts and abilities and the joy of life is discovering what that is. And I know it can be frustrating and Jed, you, you may say, Jed, you make it sound so easy. And I realize it's not easy, but it's so important we don't lose sight of that goal. There's a contribution, there's a gift on the inside of you that God gave just to you. And how you steward that gift is a reflection of your love and relationship with God. I love this though, look at the next thing, God works in us. It's not all about willpower or discipline or only those with enough grit can make it happen. God understands. We're tired, we're, we're flawed, we have challenges, we, we get emotional, and so God says, look, it's God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. When you position your heart and you say, God, I'm offering these gifts to you, help me be a blessing in my workplace, help me be a blessing in my home, the Spirit of God comes and meets you in your weakness in that place and does through you what you couldn't do in your own strength. I don't know about you, but I rely on that heavily all the time because I need his presence and his power. Do you know the supernatural power of God is available to you every day when you walk into work? 
if you just simply ask for it. You're like, what kind of work, Jed? Well, look at this, Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, let me explain to you. I'll give you a lesson from the Greek. Whatever means whatever. Any job, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. And then finally, I love this. Bible's written by real people. If you know anything about the New Testament and the disciples, if you think about, well, who was kind of the most selfish, loudmouth, aggressive, put himself first out of all the disciples without any question, if you know the Bible at all, you know the answer to that is Peter. But Peter grew and he got mature and he changed over the course of his life. And so here Peter is at the end of his life, 1 Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in all of its various forms. Again, each of you means all of us. God's given you gifts. You don't own those gifts. You're not self-identified or self-actualized. You're a steward of a loving God who put gifts on the inside of you and said, I've given you these gifts to bring you fulfillment, to bless other people, and to bring me glory. And all of us get the opportunity every day to put that into action. You're like, okay, Jed, that sounds great, and you gave us a Bible picture, but how does this actually work? Well, I think the first thing that we have to realize is many of us relate to work the wrong way, and I know there have been many moments in my life where I've done this. You know, when you think about your job, especially as a man, a lot of times we, you, know, you meet somebody new, you're like, what do you do? And what we do is so central to how we see ourselves and we find our worth. And so we think like, I wanna do something great with my life so that when I talk to people, I'll have stature and respect. And, and here's the thing, God, God's okay with you taking pride in what you do. But work is one of those things that comes from God. It's a good thing, but it's never meant to be an ultimate thing. And so the problem is, when you identify work as the source of your identity, your provision, and your purpose, Here's why that's such a problem. Number one, it's really hard to find a job that can give you identity, provision, and purpose. Most people go, well, I, I like the provision of the job, but I don't really like what I do, or I like what I do, and, but, but I don't really, you know, when work goes bad, I feel bad about myself. Back to my son's point about being a professional athlete, I, I've worked in, with and around and known many professional athletes over the course of my life, and when the career ends, when, the, when uh, father time's undefeated, and when that athlete can no longer do what they used to do, they go into an identity crisis. What am I here for? What, what, they, they, many times their families are disrupted. Why? Because they don't know how to be aside from what they do. And God didn't create us that way. We're like, well, why, why is it a problem if you find your identity, your provision, and your purpose in your job? The problem is God alone can provide each of us our identity, our provision. He's our source, not our job. He gives us purpose, not what we show up and do every day. And I'm not trying to minimize it. Remember, God has great things to do through the ways that he gifted you. So I wanna give you a different way to think about it. What if we thought about it this way? If we started with God, God has talents and giftings for all of us. And he gives us those talents and giftings. And the primary reason, now, once he gives them to us, we get to choose what we do with them. We, we can hoard them, we can, we can try to monetize them, we could identify with them, or instead, we could use those gifts and talents to serve others which is incredible. You ever been around somebody who's really, really good at what they do? 
and you're like, wow, you're amazing. Maybe they made an amazing meal or maybe they're in customer service and did an incredible job taking care of you. Maybe they were a doctor who was brilliant and had an incredible bedside manner. When they use your gifts, you're like, wow, thank you so much for helping me. And when that happens, the people get blessed, they find fulfillment and God gets glory. And this is really my prayer for all of us. And it's really not about your job, it's about how you relate to the God who created you and gave you gifts and talents. God's given all of us gifts and we choose what we do with them. He wants us to serve others, glorify him, and experience purpose and fulfillment. And I wanna key in on what Peter told us. As we take those gifts, whether here at Keller or in Hazlitt or McKinney, when we take those gifts and we serve others, we find a fulfillment and we bring glory to God in a way that we can't any other way. And the amazing thing is you don't have to change your job. You can do it right where you're at. Like, I, you probably don't know this, but here at Keller, Rob, who led us in worship, that's not his full-time job. He has a roofing business. He comes and lead worship, leads worship on the weekend because he uses his gifts so you can enter and experience the presence of God. What a great picture. He's blessing you, finding fulfillment and giving glory to God. I think about so many members on our team. You're like, do I have to be a part of the Milestone family? No, you don't, but sometimes that's how it works. Pastor JP, our executive pastor, was running a company while back at Taco, when we were behind Taco Casa, he was also running our marriage ministry. When I first came here, the first time I preached at Milestone on the weekend, I had a different nine to, five job, nine to five job. And back at Taco Casa, I was preaching. People were like, I didn't know you could do that. I was like, I'm trying to offer my gifts. And it doesn't always have to be on a platform where it's public. There's so many ways we can offer our gifts. I remember I used to love doing Strength Finder consultations for single moms in like a kid's classroom back at the old building. And it was incredible. And you never knew it happened, but I got fulfillment and they got blessed. And it's how we use our, our gifts to make an impact in the church. So before I pray for you, I wanna tell you what happens when we serve. Like Chad, we're busy people, we got so many things going on. I know you do, but I also know there are deep longings in your soul that can only really be satisfied when you use your gifts to serve other people out of a love for God. You're like, what happens when we serve? The first thing is serving develops friendships and relationships. Now this is hard for us to admit. We don't really like to talk about it. I don't know if you're aware of this, but three times in the last five years, the Surgeon General has declared an epidemic of loneliness in our country. Not aloneness, loneliness. Aloneness is if you're only by yourself all the time. Loneliness is I'm around all kinds of people, maybe more than ever, and I feel like no one sees me, no one knows me. And he said it's so bad, it's not just an emotional problem, it's physically taking a toll on our country and people are dying from loneliness. So God in his goodness always offers a solution. It's amazing how when you serve, someone that you might have nothing else in common with, because you're working alongside each other towards a common goal, you find commonality, you find uh, appreciation, you find respect for someone who may have a totally different life story, different background, different age, but you make a connection because you're working together towards a similar goal. I think about Blake who moved to the area his job transferred him from work. He was trying to find, make his way through the tr transition, looking for friendship. So he came to Milestone and then he heard about serving and he's just like, okay, I'll serve, I'll jump on a parking team. And on that parking team, he's found friendships and relationships and he feels connected. And he, now he has a sense that God all along was involved in placing him in this new location. 
I think about Jordan and Lauren, the Jones family, and they came and they said they moved to the area and they were longing for community, so they came to Milestone. They're like, we don't really know anybody and we're just getting started, and so they started, well, we'll greet on Easter, and they started serving and greeting, and they're like, it was amazing. As we got to greet people and show them the love of Jesus, we started to realize we're way more connected than we, than we understood, and we felt fulfilled, and we felt closer to God, and in serving someone else, we felt connected to others. God is so good and so generous. Who isn't looking for love and support? Happens here all the time. You hear a story about someone who's like, well, well I had a health issue or a, I had something with my child and all of a sudden it's like, what did you do? Well, I started getting texts and people started showing up at my house and people started bringing us meals. How did you know those people? Well, you don't wait till the moment. The people that you serve with, the people who know you, it's like, how do you make a big church small? Well, when you have teams that you serve on, you don't have to reintroduce yourself each week and get them to remember your name because they know you and they love you and they care about you. You're like, Jed, are you telling us this so that you can fill all the volunteer spots at our various campuses? No, I want this for you way, way more than I want this from you. See, it has really nothing to do with the size of the church. It has everything to do with the perspective of the people. When we see it as an opportunity to grow and to love and to serve and not what can someone do for me, but how could I be friendly and kind and loving to someone else? It's amazing how I've never met anyone who woke up every day who said, I'm gonna be a friend to someone else who struggled to find friends. But unfortunately in ministry, I've met a lot of people who are like, no one gets me, no one understands me, no one shares my same interests. And then you ask, well, when was the last time you gave and served and compromised and thought about someone else and put their needs. Well, why would I do that? I'm waiting for someone to do that for me. It doesn't come natural, but it's how it works. Guys, I'm not trying to scold you. You're incredible at this. At all of our campuses, I'm just reminding us why it's so important. Here's the second thing. Serving helps us grow into the people God created us to be. I love this about you. I love this about our area. I was telling a friend last night over dinner, I was like, it's such a privilege to be a part of a church family in an area where people are wanting to grow and they're wanting to get better and they have a growth mindset and they're like, I I'm here now, but I have this picture of where I'm trying to be and I love that about you. And the truth is, there's no better way to grow into the person God created you to be than to show up every day at work or to show up at church or to show up in your home and your family to think about how can I make someone else better today? All the research tells us the people who are the most frustrated wake up every day thinking, what can everybody else do for me? The people who are most fulfilled wake up every day go, I got a God who loves me and who has more than enough for me. How could I be a blessing to someone else? And the truth is, it'll actually make you better in where God's placed you. I was thinking about Matt, who serves on our ushering team. And he's an account director for a company. He works with clients to create and design and produce events. And as he was ushering here, he started to make relationships with a group of guys. And then as he made a relationship with these group of guys, a whole bunch of the ushers started waking up in the morning and working out together. And as they were working out and encouraging each other, they would text each other and say, I'm praying for you today at work and I'm praying for this scripture over you. And as they did that, every day they went to work different and better and they actually did better in their workplace and it all started because they were willing to serve on an ushering team together. 
We've seen it happen. We, we have stories of people who started businesses that they learned really the, the approach and the skills while serving in kids' ministries. It's a way that God, he's so generous and so good and so loving. When we come to him with the heart of service, he always pours into us. Here's the third and final one. Serving brings unique fulfillment. Because God created us in his image, we're designed to bless and serve others. Do a lot of reading and studying. I'm, I'm really interested in this concept of personal growth and fulfillment and purpose. And, and one of the books that I read recently was called The Second Mountain by this man who, who hit his dream job. His dream job was to be a columnist for the New York Times. His name is David Brooks. And he hit this, he hit this point in his career and he was climbing the ladder and he was, you know, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but the word for career comes the same word for chariot or race. And so there's a reason why when we talk about careers, we think about beating other people and it's stressful and it's anxious and we have a scarcity mentality. And he was talking about trying to get there and he got there and he was like, ow, that I'm here, this mountain doesn't feel that great. He said he realized as he talked to professionals and people who were at the top of their career, many of them, when they climbed that first mountain, they realized this mountain didn't deliver on what I thought it would, and they realized the much better mountain is the second mountain, what can I do for someone else? The really cool thing is, like I said a moment ago, you guys here, you're living this. We see it on display all the time. People who own businesses and companies and people who have lots of responsibilities who say all those things are important, I wanna manage them well, but I also want my gifts to make an impact in the kingdom of God. I think about Gordon and Linda, who are right over here. They probably wouldn't even want me saying this. But I think the first time I met Gordon was because he was hosting my son, not because I'm a pastor, but because my son was in the student ministry and he was like, we hosted him all weekend and it was so great to be there and I, and I got to know a little bit more about Gordon and Linda and Gordon's this incredibly successful investor and Linda, has a PhD from Yale, that's pretty good. And, and yet, here they are going, well, yeah, we, we've accomplished some things, but we really want our life to count by making an impact in the lives of others. So they serve all over the place. They serve at 101, they serve at Elevate. I think about John, who's a pilot, getting ready to retire, and Julie, they're in their 60s, and they could say, well, we're in a different season of life. Well, they love to come and serve on our check-in team for our student ministry because they're like, we wanna do something that's gonna make a difference, and they see what God's doing in the lives of young people, and it brings them fulfillment. There's space for you to find that same kind of fulfillment Maybe you're like, well, I haven't hit that mark yet in my career. As you're on your way, God wants to do something in you and through you. I was thinking about Jen. Jen here's Jen's story. She, she has a background in customer service. She came last night. She said, thank you so much for the kind words you said. She was there with her mom and dad and her kids. And I said, thank you so much for just being obedient to what God asked you to do. She went through the growth track. She's like, okay, I'll serve. I have a customer service background. I'm going to go serve in the cafe. They're like, okay, we'll put you in the cafe. And she went to the cafe and they're like, actually, we pulled the swerve on her. We sometimes do this. We're like, we need you at kids check-in. Now, if you know, kids check-in, that's not low-level stuff. I mean, you got to be, you got to have the joy of the Lord and you got to have the patience. You got to have faith to move mountains. You got to, you got to just be great. And so she started to serve there and she was like, I didn't know if I could do this. And she started to do it and she started to love it. And listen to what Jen said. She said, I felt the Holy Spirit pushing me to use the gifts that quite frankly, I didn't know or believed I even had. 
Serving at Milestone and Milestone in general has helped me realize my purpose here on earth. I understand some of my gifts and I feel that I have value to add to other people's lives. Serving has made me feel more a part of the church than I would have ever known. We have a large church. It's the biggest one I've ever been to, but serving will change it all for you. I don't want something from you. I want something for you. All of us want to be connected. All of us want to grow and get better. All of us want to feel like our contribution is making a difference. And we're coming to a window in the history of Milestone Church where we have a unique opportunity here at Keller. We're getting ready to open these spaces and people are gonna come by the thousands. And we have a responsibility and an opportunity to show them not a crowd, not a mass of people, not cool spaces for kids. What we're trying to show them is the same thing we prayed that you would experience, the love of God in a personal way that changes you. But in order for that to happen, we have to say yes and do our part. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, the church grows up into what it was created to be when every part does its work. And because God's so good, he'll bring fulfillment, he'll bring relationships, he'll bring growth to your life when all you simply do is to say yes. On your way in, we gave you a little card. We gave you that card as a way for you to serve. I know many of you, you're part of the Milestone family. You've served before and you've been busy and that's totally fine. We understand, but what I'm asking you is, whether you've never served before, you've served for the next six weeks, would you say, I'll give my best for this six week window. We gotta all do anything for six weeks. Hazlitt and McKinney in both of those locations, you may not be getting a new space, but there are new people coming to your campus, and as we serve them, the same thing will happen for you. You'll find fulfillment, you'll find growth, you'll get better, you'll, you'll, you'll be more of who God created you to be. What an incredible moment God's brought us to. And in the, everything that's going on and all of the commotion, it would be so easy to miss what he has for you, but I don't want a single one of us to miss what he has for us. So all we need to do is say yes, let's pray. Jesus, we're so grateful for your presence. You're such a kind and generous God. Lord, you, you have more than we could ever hope or imagine for each of us. Lord, you see us even when we feel unseen. Maybe you're here today and you're like, Jed, I, I didn't know that a relationship with Jesus was not about the spiritual stuff I try to do to make him love me. I, I thought that's what it was. But, but it's not that. It's simply Jesus because he loved you and he saw you in that place. He did what you couldn't do. You couldn't get up to God, so he brought God down to you, and all he asks you is to receive him as we celebrate in baptism at all of our campuses. People who aren't perfect, people who've made mistakes, but who simply say, Jesus, I wanna know you. You can make that your prayer. It can be your moment right now. But for those of us who've made that prayer, I wanna ask you, have you said yes to Jesus? Have you offered your gifts and your talents to make an impact for his kingdom. Maybe you have, maybe it's time to do it again. Jesus, we come as your people, grateful for what you're doing in our midst. And as a people at every one of the places where we're gathered, we say yes to you in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.